Episode 13 If versus When plus How equals Now. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hi, elite educators. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. And in fact, I call you elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast like this to help hone their craft. Today, I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by talking about being a change agent in your own life by thinking and acting under the word when instead of if. This podcast is especially for those teachers in distress or transition. So let's get started. At my most miserable point in my teaching career, I would say things to myself like, if only I made more money, I wouldn't hate this job so much. Or, if I had less students, I would like this job more. Or, if I had my own teacher assistant, I could teach better. Or if I had more time in the day, I could better know what I'm teaching. If you're anything like me, I bet you felt like at some point or another in your career. But these statements are toxic. They impede instead of propel. They disable instead of enable. Well, why? Because all of these statements start with the word if. I realized that I wasted so much time adding that small word onto the front of all of my thoughts and actions, and those ifs stayed ifs instead of turning into whens. It didn't take my husband long to catch on to this self-destructive behavior. He knew I was trapping myself by only thinking in the forms of dreams instead of developing actionable steps to turn these dreams into a reality. I wouldn't be able to fix all of my woes, but I could improve my predicament and start leading the life I wanted to live. It was a simple solution. Drop the if, add a when to the beginning of my thoughts and self-talk. My new when statements would sound like this. When I make more money, I won't hate this job so much. Or, when I have less students, I would like this job more. Or, when I have my own teacher assistant, I can teach better. Or, When I have more time in the day, I can better know what I'm teaching. But there's actually a mind shift that needs to happen before simply adding a when in front of these statements. All I did was swap out the if for a when without any mind shift. I didn't take ownership over the statement. I needed to change my perspective, which would change my use of when to not be a dream when, but an action when. So it might sound something like this instead. No matter what amount of money I make, I will love my job. Or, I love this job no matter how many students I have. The more the merrier. Or, I'm equipped to teach a class by myself and an assistant just enhances that experience. Or, I maximize each minute of my day so that I can better know what I'm teaching. 
But if you couldn't tell, even with my newfound perspective, I'm still not taking action. I got rid of if and thought when, but now I need to think how. Good gracious, this self-improvement thing is no fun, especially since I'm not feeling so hot to begin with. But you know what? Sometimes when you're at the end of your rope, you need to tie a knot instead of letting go. So I tied a knot. I started focusing on how. My first obstacle was loving my job regardless of the amount of money I made. I didn't come into this profession for the money, so it shouldn't suddenly become a factor now. I am blaming my stress and unhappiness on someone or something else, both of which cannot change my outlook or inner peace. I can make the change, so I'm in control of my mood, which propels my actions. More money would not make my stress go away, so it doesn't solve my problem. I need to focus on how I can love my job under all the unfavorable circumstances that come with it. Instead of watching my bank account dwindle and focus on the pennies I had left to indulge in, I focused on being thankful my bills were paid so I could continue to do what I love and am meant to do. I didn't make a lot of money, but I made enough, and that's all that matters. So I went back to school to get a master's degree so that I could jump up to a different pay bracket. And I was lucky enough that my school district paid for teachers in Title I schools to get their master's degree for free. So ridiculously awesome, people. And I am thankful I was in the right place at the right time to qualify for this gift. It has made all the difference in my pennies turning into dimes. I then decided to pursue my national board certification. Unfortunately, this one was out-of-pocket, but much less than paying for a master's degree out-of-pocket, so definitely a win. This certification plus my master's degree put me up in another pay bracket, so my dimes now turned to dollars. I made more money for myself, well, not really more than I needed, but just enough. But I realized that I was not happier because I had more money, but I was happier because I did something about my pain. Being proactive and changing your doomsday to dream day is pretty invigorating. My second obstacle was loving my job regardless of the amount of students I had in my classroom. My first year of teaching, I had 16 kids. I know that's unheard of, but as a first-year teacher, anything over one student felt difficult. I think 16 was a great number to begin with. By my eighth year, I had classes anywhere from 16 to 30. I can't say I taught 30 students for long because that's against the law in our state, but until you could hire another teacher, I was stuck with a sea of desks. Talk about miserable for everyone. One big can of sardines. I began my teaching career in a transient school, so I had kids coming and going all day every day. The class I began with was one-twelfth what it was when it ended. I told myself every time a new student came that I could choose to grunt and point the students to an area to sit while we got another desk to accommodate my growing cherubs, or I could make the most of the unique situation and use an extra student as a way to add value to my current class. I quickly buddied up students so the newbie felt connected and important, and then the original students felt proud to show the way. We sometimes lost space for cutesy classroom areas like a beanbag with a lamp 
or a check-in center complete with Kleenex, pencil sharpener, recycling bin, and that was okay because these areas were fun and inviting, but they weren't necessary for students to learn and grow, which was the whole point of a classroom. A student desk replaced these areas, and when there was enough room to bring these areas back to life, I did. I realized my job was to love and teach every student that came to me, even if that meant my room wasn't how I had originally planned or intended it to be. Students were learning, and that was the goal. I learned to love the sea of students and in turn started loving my job again. My third obstacle was skillfully teaching a large class without any assistance. When I started teaching, doesn't every one of my obstacles start that way? When I started teaching, I had an assistant assigned to the four teachers on my grade level. And when our grade level grew to six teachers, I lost some time with the assistant as we had to share the wealth. I was fine with that. That was fair. When we changed from heterogeneously grouping students to homogeneously by ability level, I lost some more time with my assistant. I often had the middle group for a few years and then the high group one year, both of which didn't require much assisting, and I agreed it was more appropriate to have the lower achieving students receive the most support. But then came the day where we had more teachers and less assistance due to budget cuts, and I lost all instructional time with an assistant. She would pop by to allow me to use the restroom, thank goodness, and then make some copies, but that was the end. Those few years taught me to pull myself up by my bootstraps and do this thing alone. I was not hired because I was capable of being my best when someone else could help me. I was hired because I was capable of being my best by myself. I was trusted to do the job alone, so it was time to do just that. I looked back at those years with 16 kids and an assistant and just laugh. Man, how good I had it. But I needed that then. I was young in my career. Now I'd learned so much, and those supports weren't necessary. I actually really started liking to work with myself. I was reliable, I was on time, I knew what I had to teach. There was no coordinating of schedules or meeting to discuss plans or brainstorming what to do when some part of the day was altered. I felt more in control and I figured out solutions to ensure that my students were getting one-on-one and small group instruction as much as they did when I had an assistant. That required a lot of planning on my end, but once I got into a groove, we were golden. My last year of teaching, people would pop in to see if I needed something, and I proudly would say, nope, we're doing just fine in here, because we were. It wasn't always that way, but I started taking action steps to make it a reality. I stopped ifing and started wenning. And when I did that, I was successful, because I started thinking of how. My fourth and final obstacle was to find time to plan and prepare my instruction in a way that allowed me to grasp the concept in full. I know you won't be surprised by hearing what I'm about to say next, but when I first started teaching, (laughs) you know, I always start that way, I taught all subject areas at the elementary level. I was the jack of all trades, master of none. I taught what the book told me to teach and nothing more, nothing less. I couldn't add on or connect to. After my first year, I had a better picture of how things flowed and I was able to deviate from the script more each year. 
As I branched out and taught other grade levels, I understood what skills students came in knowing and what skills they needed going out. I was better able to add on and connect to now. But it wasn't overnight or even in one school year. It took years to grasp content, and that's a lot of wasted time. When I taught fifth grade science, I was in over my head. I was a great teacher, but I wasn't an expert in science content. However, I used my expert teaching techniques with my novice science knowledge and did the best I could. I spent every night poring over the science textbook trying to figure out how to explain it to 10-year-olds in a way they could understand. That took hours. I had to read it, understand it, translate it to current life, and then practice delivering my message. My weekends consisted of reflecting on my week's successes and pitfalls so that I could make strategic interventions and duplicate success while avoiding repeated pitfalls. I continued to grow, and by the end of the year, I had the handle of it. I never got to see how another year in fifth grade would have gone because I begged to go back down to my home base of third grade where I taught the longest and where I felt my strengths were best utilized. Well, okay, so really those kids had flaming hormones and I was not equipped to deal with that and I felt I spent more time breaking up flirt fists than delivering instruction. But that's besides the point. The lesson I learned was career changing. I looked at every subject I taught as if I was teaching fifth grade science. I poured over it. I connected it to real life and prior learning. I rehearsed my lessons. I connected it. This effort strengthened my knowledge base. I didn't need more time. I needed to make the time I had productive. I never had more than 24 hours in a day, but I did find out how to better use those 24 hours. Some weeks I slept more and some weeks I slept less. Some days I had more free time to binge watch reality TV shows and other days I didn't even get to turn the TV on. But I never felt like I needed more time like I had once felt. I worked smarter and not harder and my kids and I both benefited from my efforts. So I'm here to tell you today that change can happen. It's not going to happen by wishing for it, by talking and thinking in if statements. But if you start thinking of when, you can feel encouraged that change is going to come, and it's going to be because you figured out just how to do it. Take ownership over your life and your career. Follow the process of turning your ifs into whens and adding a how. Make a list of the obstacles you are currently facing. Allow yourself to if yourself to death in these areas because you want to get it out of your system so you can minimize any emotional thought or reaction and turn on the problem solver inside of you that will take you out of this difficult time and into a healthy, productive space. Once you've gotten rid of those if statements, then think about changing your perspective and think about when these things will change. This small hope should bring a smile to your face that a solution is on the horizon instead of out in Never Never Land. Once you ditch the if and start using the when, then put pencil to paper and figure out how to turn your when into now. The simple formula is if versus when plus how equals now. Say that with me. If versus when plus how equals now. That means think of changing your if to a when by adding a how so it happens to you right now. Your distress or transition is not a forever fog over your life. It is temporary. 
And in fact, it'll move out of your life at the rate at which you will it and work it away. That's right. It takes a will statement and a how statement to create change. You can be the best version of yourself by thinking about the areas that are draining you. Change that perspective. Create action steps. And in a small amount of time, your life and attitude will change. You'll soar from distress to success, all because you had the desire to when and how it's a life. All right, elite educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on being a change agent in your own life by following the simple formula of changing if to when and adding a how so your life changes for the better now. Go out and be great because you've just been empowered. Hi, Elite Educators. If you like what you hear, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. Also, stay connected with Always a Lesson through social media. Like us on Facebook at Always a Lesson and follow me personally on Twitter at G Schultek. That's G-S-C-H-U-L-T-E-K. Elite educators, are you in need of feeling empowered by someone who is just like you, who does just what you do, and well, just gets it? Then hop on over to alwaysalesson.com to learn more on the blog for tips and tricks of remaining passionate about your current work. Also, check out our social media links for more personal connection to other elite educators just like you. And if you're a newbie educator, grab a copy of my book, Elementary Education 101, What They Didn't Teach You in College, to ensure you beat the learning curve and end your first year ahead of the game. Alwaysalesson.com provides something for everyone. So elite educators, stop by today and get empowered.